Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Healthy Perspectives. In today's episode, we're joined by members of our emerging digital group, including John and Tazia, as they recently attended the Mixed Reality Marketing Summit. We sat down and talked about all sorts of things, including AR, VR, and MR. And Pokemon Go. Enjoy. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, would you mind just introducing yourselves? Hi, I'm John Dealey. I'm our Director of Digital Experience here at the agency. Uh, I oversee our Emerging Digital Group, which is responsible for keeping our agency and our clients in the forefront of digital. And uh, the way we're set up is we have different groups or task forces that uh, specialize in different key areas of technology that we keep track of. So we're, we're building up expertise in a lot of different areas. Um, and I'm Tazia Diedenbach. I am a member of the creative team here at Patience and Purpose, and I head up our XR task force. XR, that's that's something I haven't heard about. So tell us a little bit about what XR is. Is it, That's not the new iPhone, is it? That's no, <laughs> that would be much more exciting. Um, no, so XR is a is kind of a catch-all term for AR, VR, and MR. AR being augmented reality, VR being virtual reality, and MR being mixed reality. So what are the differences between all those different realities? So AR, of course, is like Pokemon Go. You sort of have your phone. It's like a filter between, uh, it's a layer of the digital world put onto the real world. VR would be if Pokemon Go was like a headset and you were totally immersed in like a Pokemon universe. And MR is uh, sort of a level of augmented reality that also interacts with the real world. So it would be as if the Pokemon could like turn left around the corner or you could like physically interact with the Pokemon and it would like respond to your actions. So uh, obviously this episode we're not going to just be talking about Pokemon even though that would be exciting as well. I know that both John and Tazia uh, you just returned from a mixed reality marketing summit that took place uh, in New York. John you want to tell us a little bit about what happened there and all the goings on? Yeah so uh, it was the first ever mixed reality Marketing Summit, um, I think I saw an ad for it in my Instagram feed, and I was a little suspicious at first, but when I looked into it, um, they had some great speakers there. Um, Snapchat was there, Adobe, Intel, um, the creative director from Pokemon Go. So a lot of different uh, big players in the in the AR and, and uh, mixed reality space. And uh, a broad theme that we heard at the summit was that you know AR is here, it's beyond the hype cycle. So um, I think there's a bunch of things factoring into that. One being um, the power of smartphones. You know, smartphones are super capable with their cameras and the sensors and what's possible with them. I think the second being that smartphones are just ma widely adopted, like almost everybody has a smartphone these days. Um, along with that, the tools for making AR content are becoming more and more accessible and prevalent. So again, Adobe was at the summit. Um, they're building AR capabilities into all their tooling. And then lastly, I think there's a lot of different uh, platforms for distributing AR. So AR has actually been around for, for quite a long time. I think the first, uh, one of the first branded uses of AR was in 2009 with Esquire magazine. And did you guys remember seeing yeah. that? Yeah, so it was like Robert Downey Jr. was on the cover and he was sitting on a cube and there was like this like QR code and he was like pointing to it. And it was a little awkward, but kind of cool at the time. But what you were to do is you, you take the magazine, you bring it up to your web camera on your laptop or your desktop. And when you pointed it to the screen, Robert Downey Jr. came to life and he spoke to you. And it was kind of like one of the first 
examples of the physical and digital world colliding. Uh, but when you think about it, it was, it was, it was kind of awkward, right? Because here you are probably on your couch reading a magazine. You had to like get up, go to your computer, and make sure you had the right version of Flash, download special software, hold the magazine up, and it's, it's pretty wonky, right? But fast forward, you know, just 10 years from, from that, we're almost in 2019. Now AR can be delivered across social platforms, Facebook, uh, soon Instagram, as well as through like native apps and, and soon with uh, on the web. And, uh, so yeah, it was good. It was one day, it was in New York City here, and we, we learned a whole lot. You mentioned that a lot of people are adopting this technology and that uh, when you were speaking about Snapchat, you specifically mentioned a post-millennial demographic. Are all demographics adopting this? Are the baby boomers into augmented reality, or is it specifically targeted towards a certain generation? Um, I think this is actually a really good segue into, again, something that Snapchat talked about that sort of helped me rethink that mindset, that it's about Generation Z, that it's a post-millennial thing. The the woman who gave the talk, Caroline Urgeas, put it sort of through the lens of her own family's generation. So when she talked about communication, she talked about her grandmother wrote letters to her friends. Her mom would call her friends on her phone. She would text her friends, you know, back in the 2000s. And now, as someone who uses Snapchat a lot, she just takes photos of herself and like puts text over it and is like sending those messages back and forth to her friends and family. Um, So she sort of flipped it so that the camera, instead of this thing that used to be uh, a medium to capture like one specific moment, it's capturing all moments all the time and you're able to use the camera as this sort of communication tool. Um, So I think while right now the Generation Z or or like post-millennial, whatever you want to call them, um, are sort of the people pioneering that because it feels really natural to them. They've always had smartphones. They've always been able to sort of like make those connections with the touch of a button. Other generations are sort of understanding that too because it's a form of communication that always has context too. You can put up what the weather was like or um, what you're listening to on the radio or just what your expression is while you're talking and help people really understand what you mean. You mentioned a few different like gimmicky sort of AR filters. Mm-hmm. Um, are there use cases for augmented reality beyond just like having dog ears on my head? <laughs> I think there's... You know, different, definitely different categories. I think when AR, when you hear about it, the things that come to mind maybe around like gaming, like we spoke about Pokemon Go, or like the filters that you see on social media. But I think beyond that, we're starting to see um, utility. So on the new, uh, newer iPhones, there's a, a measure app. So you could take out your phone, click on the measure app, point to this table here, and then just drag your phone around, and then you get the measurements sort of overlaid over the table. So there's, I think, like utility applications. Um, maybe fast forward a year or two from now and Google Maps or Apple Maps, when you're walking down the street, instead of just having an opaque map that you can't see and then looking up, you'll be able to hold up your phone and then kind of see where you need to go. So I think there's utility, but I think where the a lot of the applicability is to, to pharma and healthcare is more in like the information and like the informative type of space and things you could do to deliver content in a, an engaging way. There was actually a really good quote by one of the speakers who said AR is more than just silly hot dogs. Um, and I think a really good use case that uh, exemplifies this is the Control Human Project by Quantum Capture. 
Um, so th what they do is they have these digital humans that are, exist in the AR space, and you can plug in an existing chatbot or AI into this human so that if someone's using the app or they want a more face-to-face -face experience, they can have this human sort of talking to them and gesturing and, and sort of speaking in real time versus maybe someone just trying to type. So I always think of like, how would my, my mom interact with this? My mom wouldn't probably use a chatbot because it's just not um, really understandable for her. But if she were to see like this human she could relate to who's doing exactly the same thing, but like as a, as a person to person experience, it would probably be easier for her. Um, so the example they have on their website or that you can check out that they demoed for us at the conference uh, was this hotel concierge experience. And the idea that you can maybe check into your hotel from the airport or somewhere where you're not actually there and interact with a real human using real triggered language um, is something at least that I see as being a really good place to start for AR being more accessible. Yeah, I heard someone say at the conference that AR is a mixture of pixels and atoms, you know, which I think was kind of an interesting and funny way of looking at it. But it's when you think about the way we interact in real life, our life is 3D, right? We're looking around at each other. But the way we've interacted with technology up to now has been very flat 2D. You know, we're looking at screens. So I think that's where a lot of the promise and potential lies around AR is taking a lot of that data and content and information and kind of mixing it in with the real world so that anything in the world can become a, a canvas uh, for, for information. Yeah, with such a new technology, and, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, um, how, do you, how do you talk to clients about this? How do you get them to be bought in with AR, XR, sort of VR idea? You know, we've seen, obviously, like VR being used at various conventions to sometimes success, sometimes not so much. Um, what is it? What kind of conversation do you have with those clients to say, th hey, th yeah. AR is a way to go? I think uh, seeing is believing, and I think it's that's what kind of makes it difficult in the podcast world. We're going to include links so people could play around with this stuff. But um, just last weekend, we had a we held a hackathon event here at the agency, and we had a mixture of patients and clients, and we had a little tech corner with all different gizmos. We had a Lexus set up and different iPads, and uh, you know, I was explaining to them what AR technology is, but then. I had iPads that showed them different examples. So one was using the IKEA app, right? So when you're shopping for a couch or something, uh, you could place that a model of what that couch would look like in your living room to see how it would look, how it would fit in with everything. So I think once you play around and start seeing it, 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 it really kind of comes to life. One of the terms that was thrown around a lot of the conference was return on engagement where a lot of times when we do a tactic, it's always about return on investment. It's always about like, what are the, the data numbers that we can pull that directly say, is this working or not? But with these technologies being so new, I think we have to focus on pioneering and taking risks and understanding that there aren't a lot of rules yet. And the people that are ready to pioneer these new technologies are going to get a lot back just in that people are going to write about them. They're going to look at them as the trendsetters, um, the people that are establishing best practices. And while that's not something for every company, I think for those who are ready to take that risk and, and play and explore, um, it could be really exciting. I also think that the level of risk and investment is relatively low too, right? So if, we, if you invest in some areas of technology require bigger investments, but I think AR, again, because of the accessibility of creating the content now, uh, and having platforms that allow us to distribute them uh, more easier, um, allow us to create things you know, relatively quickly, uh, and I think in a way that can be approvable and, and, and get to market pretty quickly. Personally, I'm a huge AR fan. Um, I do use it beyond just the dog ears. Um, 
and we keep talking about all these use cases for AR. What are some use cases for VR or um, MR? Just it seems that AR is a bit more accessible for day to day um, for like the average user. But are, is VR coming into people's daily lives, yeah, or is that more? I mean, there was a lot of talk and and data points around, you know, AR and and um, VR and how they, you know, which one is going to be sort of a bigger area. And I think. Um, it's definitely said if, if you listen to all the tech companies that AR is going to supersede VR uh, in terms of the use case, right, and the applicability. So I think everybody here in the room that are listening are going to be interacting using uh, AR experiences in their life in the next couple of years, 100%. Um, VR, I think, is still a very powerful, powerful tool for taking someone and fully immersing them and taking them somewhere else. Um, I think when it, where VR will kind of have the leg up or where it's more appropriate is when it gets into like deeper storytelling or empathy building. Um, I remember reading an article like six months ago about a uh, charity, there was a, a charity event and uh, they held two different charity events, right? And it was kind of like an A-B test. One was without VR and one was with VR. So the keynote speaker spoke about what the charity was about, uh, and then they had everybody put on VR headsets and experience firsthand what it was like uh, for people who didn't have clean water to drink, you know, in Africa. And the donation was like night and day, right? Because if you've ever experienced VR, especially if it's a video-based experience, it's like you're actually there, you know? So I think there's going to be times where VR is appropriate to use, but I think AR is just going to be more integrated into everybody's day-to-day -day life in, in, in more ways. So what are some ways to use VR in the healthcare space? I think whenever you need to sort of take over a person's senses and really reconstruct the environment around them, that becomes a really good use case for VR. Um, so for example, there is, um, I had a friend that worked on a PD hallucination app and the whole experience is, is you walking through what would be an everyday experience, but having these like hallucinatory thoughts and understanding that this is an everyday occurrence for some people. So where you can, um, like John was saying, have an empathy building experience, like a way that you're experiencing their day-to-day, -day, that's a really good um, place for VR to play. Um, but for a lot of, I think for a lot of brands, it doesn't always make sense. Like that empathy building isn't always a fully immersive experience. Um, so it, it's, it's, I guess it's just like a use by use. Um, I could see it basis. making a lot of sense at like a conference or something because yeah. you do get oh, yeah. the headphones and you can sort of actually hear the experience that's right. going on versus a screen playing sound at a loud conference. Yeah. I also think like it's it's not a, a versus thing, but I think where AR gets the leg up is, again, comes back to the smartphones, right? Mm -hmm. So I think more and more people at home are, uh, are buying VR headsets to a certain degree, but they're not as ubiquitous as these smartphones that are in our hands and pockets. And, you know, I think someone, one of the speakers has said, like, smartphones will be the magic box for AR for the mm -hmm. at least foreseeable future for the next three to four years. The magic box or the black mirror, as they say. Yes. I know that Jamie just asked about best use scenarios for VR. Uh, where do you see sort of AR being uh, used effectively in the pharma space? 
I think AR is a natural fit for mechanism of action um, so that you can help a patient understand what's happening in their body in relationship to their body. So for example, if you had a rheumatoid arthritis drug and you were able to present a patient with a mechanism of disease or mechanism of action of how arthritis is uh, happening in their arms and hands and how it's progressing over time and really understanding that on a real level uh, could be really beneficial for patients. I also think around uh product demonstrations and, you know, people that are just getting on treatments that aren't necessarily in pill form. Um, we normally do like step-by-step walkthroughs and, you know, historically it's been in a print piece, a brochure. Uh, more recently we'll do video training, but I think having something there right in the moment where you're able to, you know, look at that device and then get more information right in front of you, I think would, would be uh, kind of cool. I think one of the best examples I've seen so far in the health-related space was the Imaginary Friend Society. Uh, And what they did was they built these characters that came to life for kids who had very severe uh, and terminal forms of cancer. So when they were in the hospital, they could take their iPads out and go around and um, sort of point the iPads in the air. And there was these different uh, cartoon characters that supported them and, and let them know that things were going to be okay. And so it was kind of a, a way to just uh, kind of show, show love and support and, and make the kids feel better. So this is a good sort of transition into my next question. Uh, what are some cool examples of AR that you've seen from brands, whether that's pharma or non-pharma? And like John mentioned earlier, we will definitely include links to uh, relevant examples in our description. Yeah, I think... Um I think a real basic one, um, but I, th- I think is a great use of technology, is, is in the Walmart app, actually. So they updated their app recently. So if you're a Walmart shopper and you have their app, uh, as you're going down the aisle, say you're in the, the beverage aisle and there's like 50 different choices and you're not sure which one you want to get, uh, you just scan your phone. And as you're walk- looking at each product, you're getting information and reviews overlaid over the product. So uh, just kind of a really practical use of AR. And also, again, sort of solidifies that point of how AR is just going to become ubiquitous and natural, right? So somebody, wherever they are in the U.S., is in Walmart, they may not realize they're using augmented reality technology. Uh, It's just embedded into the sort of Walmart experience. But I thought it was a very practical and and kind of helpful use of the technology. I have a couple um, examples that come to mind. I know Google has been doing a lot of really cool AR experiments, which is really cool that a big technology company is just sort of like ready to to play and help people sort of get started on this technology. They have an app called Just Align, which is really good about just drawing in 3D space and helping people understand how AR works. Uh, I would say Wayfair is another um, similar to Ikea example where you can kind of place your furniture in 3D space in your home and understand how big it is. And uh, I was just reading this today. They now have a partnership with Magic Leap where you can pull the furniture right from the 3D Magic Leap browser and be able to sort of like walk around it and really experience like the spatial capacity of that piece of furniture. And you can put multiple pieces in at the same time, um, which is crazy because uh, Wafer doesn't have a showroom unlike Ikea. So you have no other way to experience their products. And now you've created a showroom for yourself in your living room. Um, And the last example uh, that was really cool to me is uh, the Smithsonian. 
And uh, museums in general, I think, are really good players for VR in particular because you can be immersed in a in a place that you might not be able to visit. So if someone doesn't have the money to travel to DC, they can like put on a VR headset or just do like a Google Cardboard situation and be able to walk through the Museum of Natural History. Um, and they even at the conference said that they were able to sell in a new museum for the Smithsonian just by using VR because the investors could understand like where things would go and what that experience would be like. Yeah, that reminds me of a museum experience uh, at the Brooklyn Museum, actually. And it's technically, uh, you know, a little different from the AR VR experiences we're talking about, but the David Bowie exhibit, I don't know if you guys attended that, but <laughs> you, you walk in and they give you a pair of very nice headphones. And um, depending on where you're standing within the exhibit, uh, the the music changes depending on the era that that Bowie was in, so it was it was locational based. So it it was yeah. sort of an an augmented reality. No, it's, sort it's of, definitely definitely a thing with uh, with audio based uh, augmented reality for sure. Yeah, it's cool. So you've spoken a lot about what happened at the summit. Um, where is this going? Um, I th I mean, like we've sort of been saying this whole podcast, AR is probably going to be the biggest thing in the next few years just because everyone has a device in their hands sort of ready to plug and play. Um, but particularly for pharma, I think an AR MOA, an AR brand concierge, whether that's at a conference or just in general um, for a pharma company, seem like really natural places for them to go even, you know, within the next year. Um, but we also did see a lot of really cool emerging technology for, you know, five, seven years down the road. Yeah, I think um, maybe like a step further away from that would be web-based augmented reality. So uh, a lot of the big tech companies that are big with building browsers like Mozilla, uh, Microsoft, Google are building AR into the browser. So um, not to geek out too much, but historically in order to deliver AR, you need a native app. So that could be through Facebook, which is an app on your phone, or building a custom app. Uh, but that's always been a big barrier, right? For somebody to interact, they have to download the app or have the app. Um, but in the developer versions of Chrome right now, which should be released as early as next year, uh, AR viewers are gonna be built right in. So uh, an example that Apple showed this year at their developer conference was someone visiting Fender.com, right? And looking at different guitars. and um, so say you're looking at a guitar, you could literally drag that guitar into your studio and click on it and try different colors and different styles and kind of see it in the environment. So I think that's uh, in the very near future. And I think that's something that'll make AR even more accessible. Um, but probably in about seven to 10 years, it's predicted that uh, smart glasses are really gonna be almost ubiquitous. And it's it's a very, sort of so bullish statement. Google Glass is coming back? Or? The next, the evolution of Google Glass is is coming. And it's in some ways it's here. There's a new company called North, which just released uh, kind of a Warby Parker style glasses. Um, it's kind of a mixture of Warby Parker meets Google Glass. So they're out now. There's a store in Brooklyn and Cobble Hill where you could try them out. And I think there's one in Toronto. They're kind of pricey. They're like a thousand bucks. But they look really sweet. Uh, and they're custom fitted for you. And uh, they work in the sense of like how Google Glass worked. So you walk around, 
if you look up in the corner, you see uh, in your field of view, you get notifications, see the weather, uh, get little bits. Uh, I think Amazon, I'm not sure if either Amazon owns them or they're an investor, but there's Alexa built in so you can interact through Alexa. So I know, Jamie, that probably makes you very happy. Yes, I was on vacation recently and all I wanted to do was to talk to my Alexa to ask her the weather and the time and just my basic tasks. So for our home listeners, if you have an Alexa at home, I'm sure your Alexa is going crazy oh, right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think smart glasses are, are said to be kind of coming very soon uh, and almost going to take more of our screen time than, than our smartphones and, and wearables right now. But yeah, that's, that's still a ways out, but it'll be interesting to see. I think all the players are getting in. Apple's rumored to be building a, a headset, um, Facebook, all the big dogs. I'll believe it when I see it. Because I played with Google Glass and I was not impressed, and I bought the Snapchat glasses, and that was a joke. So, so Snapchat today actually just announced that they have a new version of their glasses coming out, where it's dual cameras, and it will support you know all the new AR features that I think uh, they announced cool. yesterday as well. Just in time for the holiday seasons. <laughs> you guys know what to get me. <laughs> Black Friday. <laughs> uh, so now that we've sort of talked about all these different technologies, you know, bring it back into the pharma space. Do you think that XR, whether that's AR, VR, or MR, can actually make patients healthier? Um, yeah, I, I, I believe so. I think um, these technologies, when used in the right place at the right time, um, will help make patients smarter and more informed about their condition and their medication and what they need to do. I think the key is, like any other new emerging technology, is making sure we're using it in a, in a purposeful way. Uh, that doesn't feel gimmicky or, or, or awkward or takes away from the experience. Yeah, there was a really profound example from the creative director of Pokemon Go. Um, he was also creative director of Ingress, and uh, he recounted meeting someone who used his app. Um, it was a husband, and he and his wife had recently lost their adult son. Um, and when that happened, his wife became really withdrawn, really depressed, and wasn't really going outside a lot. Um, and the husband, in, in sort of a way to like get himself to go back outside, started using Ingress to like go outside and, and play the game, which has like portals, and you connect portals to each other. It's, it's very similar to um, Pokemon Go in that sense, where you're going to these locations. Um, and eventually, he was able to start bringing his wife outside with him to like interact with the real world again. Um, and she was sort of able to kind of come out of her, her depression a little bit. So I think one of the biggest takeaways from the conference and just from XR technologies in general is you're sort of able to reconnect with an environment, whether that's a virtual environment or the real world. Um, and that is always going to be something I think that makes people healthier in general, whether they have, um, you know, a, a disease condition or not. Um, but certainly patients... Uh, it's, it's sort of an opportunity to help them sort of reconnect with their life when they might be going through something really difficult. What's on the horizon uh, for, for PNP and all the learnings from, from AR and, and this Mixed Reality Marketing Summit? Well, just a, a small shameless plug here. Um, you know, starting when we get back from the holidays, we're going to be uh, kicking off a little client roadshow. We're going to be going around sort of explaining what AR technology is to our clients, showing them examples. We'll have live demos. Uh, we also have some, some prototypes and some work-in-progress things that we're working on for a few of our clients now that we're hoping to launch early next year. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot to come in the space. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tazia. Cool. Thanks. Make sure you tune in next time when we uh, have our next Healthy Perspectives podcast. And uh, got to catch them all, right? Get on the Pokemon Go train. <laughs>
Wow, that was a really interesting conversation. I'm excited to see where AR goes. It seems like such a young technology, and who knows what the future may hold. Yeah, it seems like it goes beyond just dog ears and Pokemon Go. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. As we mentioned, we'll be providing you guys with links to the various different AR content that Tazia and John mentioned. You can find that in our description. If you did enjoy the episode, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you're curious about some other digital trends happening in the space, follow us at Patience and Purpose on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do 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 do